0: Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, hey guys, it's Renee here. How are you doing? So good to be with you. I put a little snippet on my social media on Monday and apparently, so 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 many of you are really excited for this episode. I don't know if I'm excited or nervous that I'm doing this, but um, I I'm just I'm going there today guys. Um, I'm just super confused right now. like I said on my Instagram, oh my gosh, I'm confused because one minute we've got you know 50,000 people allowed in a stadium here in Queensland on one Sunday and the following Sunday, we're allowed to have 30,000 people in um, in a stadium. And in between, we're put on lockdown. And that's really confusing to me. And I do not think that it is um, being rebellious or whatever to be asking questions about that and to be demanding some answers. What confuses me even more is on That very same Sunday, which we had just last weekend, a couple of days ago, the very same Sunday that they're allowed to have thirty thousand people at a stadium, we in our church service had to obey the distancing rules, and only we were only allowed to have one per four square meter. And so that is just super confusing. So I'm going to talk about that today. Um, I wanted to start off. I I wanted to. I've called this today. You're the voice, Um, and you guys would know that old John Farnham song. I grew up with that song. It was so popular. Um, If you don't know it, go do yourself a favor and listen to it. I, I would be shocked if you guys don't know this song, You're the Voice, but I used to listen to it all the time. It would come on the radio all the time. And do you ever have secular songs that you're like, I think I could actually worship to this song? because You're the Voice is kind of one of those, I don't know, like I've been in concerts before, Coldplay, U2, where some of their songs are so powerful. It's like, I think I want to worship to this. Can I worship to this? Is this about God? Um, But You're the Voice is one of those songs where it's like, oh my gosh, it just stirs something. I think that's what it is. It stirs something deep within. And you know, the second line of that song says, we can write what we want to write. And I'm just wondering, what kind of future are we writing today Particularly for our young people for tomorrow. And the second verse of that song says, This time we know we all can stand together with the power to be powerful, believing we can make it better. I used to believe that about this country, and I still want to believe those words. But we don't seem to have much power anymore because those in authority above us are the ones with all the power, and they can take freedoms away from us at the drop of a hat and we have to obey or we get fined or, um, you know, I know in other States people have even been, been arrested. And so, yes, I am going to talk about the things that I know that you guys are like, Renee, please talk about this. I'm going to talk about the coronavirus. I'm going to talk about lockdowns, mandatory masks, coerced vaccinations, you name it. But really, ultimately, what I'm talking about are our freedoms. And I did a podcast on this a few weeks ago. Uh, But I'm just wondering, do you even recognize your country right now? Because I'm struggling to recognize the Australia that I love. And I want us to be inspired by the chorus, I'll call it the chorus, of John Farnham's song of The Voice, where he says, you're the voice, try and understand it, make a noise and make it clear. We're not going to sit in silence and we're not going to live with fear. And that is my mantra today. That's why I'm speaking out. This is my voice. I'm going to make a noise. I'm going to make it clear and I am not going to sit in silence and I'm tired of watching people sit in fear. Um, So I am beyond disturbed and I can't stay silent any longer for so many reasons, just because um, I saw this funny meme today and it was Kermit Kermit the Frog sitting down on a log looking all disturbed, saying that he's waiting for the common sense variant of COVID to come. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I laughed when I saw it. I'm like, that's me. I'm Kermit the Frog waiting for common sense to drop because common sense seems to have gone out of the window. So, you know, if we just look at the last seven days here in Queensland, and I know we've had it way better here in Queensland than in other states. I mean, kudos to any one of you that has been through way more living in Victoria, now those of you in New South Wales. Um, But just over the past week, like I said at the start, we were allowed to have 50,000 people in a stadium for the state of origin Sunday week ago. And the stadium was at 100% capacity. By Tuesday morning, of last week, at 11am, it was announced that Queensland was having a snap three-day lockdown. And I think from memory, there were three cases at the time. So we were in lockdown Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday morning, we found out that most of us were allowed out, except for the city of Brisbane. Now, the city of Brisbane recorded two cases on the Friday, and so theirs continued into the Saturday. But even this doesn't make sense to me. On the Sunshine Coast, there was one new case, but they were allowed out. So it's just so confusing on who's allowed out, who's not allowed out. And then on the Saturday, they recorded five cases. Now, remember, we were locked down for three. But then on the Saturday when five new cases were recorded, and I'm so confused about whether they're in quarantine or what they are, But yet everyone was allowed out. And of course we have to sign in everywhere we go, socially distance, one per four square meter, wear masks, etc etc. And then on Sunday last week, so not even twenty-four hours out of lockdown, with five new cases on the Saturday, not only were we allowed out of not lockdown, but there were thirty thousand people headed to the Suncorp Stadium for the NRL game. And by the way, they were allowed 100% capacity. You can go to their website. I went there, I read it, and I quote, this is exactly what it said. As the venue is currently allowed 100% capacity, there will be patrons occupying the seats directly next, behind, and in front of you during the event. Physical distancing within the seating bowl will be limited. They were allowed 100% capacity last Sunday. We as a church were not allowed 100% capacity. We had to have one per four square meter. This is crazy. Guys, you cannot be mad at me for saying this because it just doesn't make sense. So either this coronavirus is exceptionally smart because it knows not to be at the football or we're being taken for fools because this just doesn't make sense. Now, during this lockdown, let me talk for a minute about young people, because this is one of my greatest concerns. I know that a lot of youth groups are having winter camp um, in these July school holidays. And I know that youth camps all around Australia either had to be cut short or cancelled altogether. And I'm worried about our young people. And I know that I'm not the only leader in our country who is. And I am wondering how many other people are going to start standing up for our young people. We had one youth group. Now, remember, on the Sunday, 50,000 people were in a stadium. On the Tuesday, there was a bus full of kids on their way to a youth camp here in regional Queensland. They had driven five hours towards their campsite and they had to turn around and go home because of the lockdown. And then four days after that, 30,000 people were allowed in a stadium. How does that make sense to our young people? Well, it can't and it doesn't. And I know my own kids, my 15 year old is literally like, mum, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. This makes no sense. This is not fair. Now, our own youth group, they were cut short with their camp as well. They had to quickly pack up at 11 o'clock. They got there on the Monday at lunchtime. And by the next morning, about 11 o'clock, they were told they all had to pack up and go home. But you know what? I was so proud of our young people. Do you know what they did? They, when they were told, after they were told, a lot of them, by the way, and this brings tears to my eyes because I love young people, a lot of them cried they were so upset. They were having such a great time with one another and such a great time in the presence of God. They put their arms around one one another, honestly, like I'm sure that if the premier was there, she probably would have had them arrested or fined for doing it, but they put their arms around one another. They raised their voices and they started singing. Yes, singing, which was also not allowed last week in New South Wales an SA, and they praised God as loud as they could. And then they prayed. And I was so proud of them because do you know what our young people need right now? They need one another. Teenagers need each other. They need hope. They need a future and they need purpose. They need the same thing that I needed when I was a teenager that you needed when you were a teenager. And our government is stripping them of every single thing that they need, and that they thrive on. You know, we had one beautiful young girl give her testimony at our church on Sunday night. And she actually said that normally when she's left to do nothing, and she was referring to being in lockdown, that she would get anxious and upset and really down and depressed. And she said after camp, she goes, I had such a, such an encounter with God. And I know that God is with me. And she goes, I know that something changed in my heart because on this lockdown, I didn't feel anxious or sad or upset. And I just, tears welled up in my eyes when I, when I heard that. And that's because she'd just come off of a camp where she was getting everything that she needed, which is a sense of belonging and people around her, other young people you know, our premier here in Queensland, she, she's got this new saying of trust one another, but I find that impossible because how can we trust a leadership who is making calls that make no common sense? And you know, me, I'm the first one to be like, you know, listen to the authority above us, obey the authority above us. But I've done a podcast on this before as well. I don't Trust leadership when they allow fifty thousand people in a stadium on one Sunday and thirty thousand the next Sunday, and in between you lock everyone up, especially the, the the children and the young people who are meant to be on holidays. This makes no sense. Do you guys want to know the mental health stats right now? You know we keep hearing about how we have to do this because we have to keep everyone safe. I'm getting really triggered when I hear this word safe, because there are different kinds of safe. Can we use some common sense here? You know, what about the economy? What about what's happening to people psychologically? Now, according to an article in the ABC News from March of this year, 2021, the mental health impact of COVID has seen calls to beyond blue increase by 42%. In Queensland alone recently, our emergency department has seen a 90% increase in presentations related to mental health issues and hospitals and our GPs, they are reporting increases in eating disorders and anxiety. Now, according to Headspace, they did a survey and you can find this on their website. 74% of the young people surveyed, 74%. 4% 4% reported that their mental health was worse since the outbreak of COVID. 86% of those surveyed reported a ne- negative impact on their mood, their well-being, or their sleeping, and 77% reported a negative impact on their work, their study, or their financial situation. I've got a young person in my home right now, my my son who was tried to do year 12 during COVID, and I've watched the impact that it had on him, particularly with his his future decisions and um, and trying to get a job now out of year 12 in in a lockdown situation. I've watched it affect someone in my own home. Now, young people also reported that COVID has had a substantial impact on their confidence in achieving future goals. And what did I say at the start? What do young people need? They need hope they need hope for their future now i would say it's not actually covid-19 that's had this impact because hardly any young australians have had it i know that what it is is the way that it's been dealt with is the is what has had the impact and this is my issue about this whole safety thing do you know this virus has an, in Australia, has a 99.7% recovery rate and outside of Australia, 99.3% recovery rate. Our young people are four times, I think it was four or six times more likely, someone check that one for me, but way more likely of dying in a car accident than dying of COVID. So I'm just wondering where are our Christian leaders standing up and saying enough's enough because our young people are suffering. And none of this makes any sense. And you know it, and I know it. And this virus is either the smartest freaking thing that we've ever seen, or something is up. And I just want to talk a little bit about the information that we're being given and other information that's out there that we're not being given. We have to start doing our own research. So, um, you know, I I think of other things that don't make sense, like, you know, being told in New South Wales and South Australia that you can't even sing because, you know, apparently if you sing, you can catch it. But here in Queensland on Sunday, thousands of people are shouting at an NRL game and then to be told at weddings that you can't dance. But then the advice keeps changing. One minute you can have 10 people at a wedding to keep you safe. Next week, you can have 100 people. That's safe. The week after, it's probably back to 10 again. And of course there's funerals, you know, know, we can't even have, give a a family the dignity of saying goodbye uh, to a loved one. Um, So like I said, the word safe really kind of triggers me um, because I wonder how are we, what do you mean? How are we keeping each other safe? How is a 90% increase in presenting to our emergency department safe? Like safe from what? like a virus that's 99.7% recover- recoverable. I'm just, you know, I thought that our prime minister would 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 stand up for us and it turns out that maybe that's not the case. We should be really worried right now because our freedoms are being taken away. What kind of country are us adults creating for our young people and for our children? because it's certainly not the kind of country that I recognize or that I want. I explained nicely a couple of weeks ago about how our freedoms are being taken, but I think it's time to get a little bit more vocal. Have you guys seen some of the footage and look, and I know that that social media will sensationalize stuff, but you know, cameras also don't lie. I've actually been in tears a couple of times this week watching footage on social media of how police who I love and have always respected have been arresting people like cafe owners for not complying. I watched in New South Wales where they they were pushing and shoving this lady that would have been in her late sixties into a into a um, like a paddy van um, because she tried to stand up for somebody and and her cafe won't adhere to the to the mask thing and just the way that she was treated. I'm like, this is not my country. In Melbourne, they put a pastor in jail a couple of weeks ago for 17 days. 14 of those days, a pastor in our country was put into solitary confinement. Can you can you believe that? I'm totally floored. And um, he was there for uh, 17 altogether, 14 in solitary confinement. Why? Because he tried to hold a church service outside, by the way, socially distanced with masks on. And he was put in solitary confinement. This is not Australia. You know, you might say, well, you know what, Renee, look at what's going on in other countries. We don't want to become like that. And we're lucky here in Australia because we've been kept safe. And that is true. We are so blessed here in Australia. That is true. But you know what? It's because I'm looking at what is going on in other countries that I'm worried. That's exactly why I'm worried because I'm watching people's freedoms being taken away even more in other countries and we've got to go do the homework because it's not working it's not working and if you hold on I'll explain and obviously I've got limited time so I'm just going to kind of touch the surface but you know right now it's mandatory here in Australia to uh, to wear masks to be checking in by using a scanner on our phone no matter where we're going, whether it's to get a coffee, go to the fruit and veg shop, we have to stay 1.5 meters away from each other. We can't hug, we can't handshake. Um, but the scariest thing that I've seen recently is what our prime minister put up on Instagram a few days ago, where it was a four-part process, uh, and you can go and look on his Instagram for for making our way out of COVID. Now, as two of those slides, one of them said that there will be eased restrictions for those vaccinated. And then the third slide said, no domestic restrictions for those vaccinated. Are you guys understanding the full impact of this? There were two and a half thousand comments and not one of them was supportive. Everyone is going wild on socials because they're like, what is going on? So not only is our every move being tracked, but now we are being bribed and threatened and blackmailed to get vaccinated. Now, please hear me guys. This is not a discussion about your opinion or my opinion on vaccinations. And just for the record, I am not an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Myself, Cameron, the kids, we've all gotten the usual vaccines. I'm not a conspiracy theorist that is like anti-vaxxer at all. And, and, you know, and there are people out there I know that have got issues with vaccines that, that is not me. So this is not a discussion about that. What this is about is about our freedoms. It is actually medical tyranny to make anyone do something to their body that they are not comfortable with. It's not right for us to be forced to do something that we don't feel comfortable with. Now, some people would say, well, then don't get the vaccine if you don't want to. But hang on a second, because according to what our prime minister just put up about our way forward with this um, with this virus is that we will have continued domestic and international restrictions if we don't get it that is not freedom partial freedom is not freedom freedom is not freedom if i can if i am told i can only have it if and vaccinations aren't the only way our freedoms are being taken you know if i don't wear a mask if you don't wear a mask, we get fined. If uh, if our businesses don't adhere to the one per two point five or one point point four square meter, we can get fined. If if our businesses don't adhere to the QR code stuff, we can get fined. So it's really not unreasonable to be asking questions right now. And I know that I'm saying this on behalf of so many of you, but aren't we the lucky country? We're the country known, right, for our fresh air, our beautiful lifestyle, our fresh food. Look at how many celebrities have moved from America to come and live in Australia. Like we've got so many celebrities here in Queensland and northern New South Wales, right in our backyard. We are known as laid back, friendly, generous people. I mean, I think we're hippies at heart, right? Like, hello, we love our bonsai, almond milk, oat milk, macadamia milk, you name it. We can get the milk in our coffee. We've got every healthy option, smoothies. Juicing, we love our farmers' markets, our our organic stores, our locally grown food. I'm not all of a sudden changing my mind on this stuff. I'm I'm big on all of that. If you've been following me for any amount of time, you know that I love. I mean, I've got my essential oils burning right now, guys. And yet we're being told to put a vaccine in our body, which has never been used in human history. It's a technology known as mRNA that is unlike any other vaccine we've ever known. It has not been studied long enough it is not passed a proper clinical trials and the only reason it's being allowed is because we're in this so-called state of emergency with a virus that's 99.7% recoverable uh, and so things can be passed quicker without the usual strict kind of rules and regulations. Now the guy that invented this technology, his name is Robert Malone. Google this yourself guys. he said recently, Now he invented this mRNA. I think it was in the late eighties. He actually said it should not be used in young people under the age of thirty, but also due to the newness of the technology, nobody who is is uncomfortable should be made to have it. This is the guy who made this, and yet we're being told, "Oh no, we have to listen to the to the medical, the bulk of the medical professionals." Ah. I think he's the professional here because he invented it and he also said something called ivermectin is highly effective but all of a sudden we can't listen to the guy who created the technology this is my issue particularly with young people we have no idea of the medium or long term or generational adverse effects of this ex- this genetic experiment no idea do you know why Because those studies are not available because they haven't been done. The data is not available because there is no data. Why? Because that is going to take time. So there are going to be people who are happy to risk that to have the vaccine. And that's fine. That is completely up to them. But there are also going to be other people who are not willing to risk something where there's no data, no medium, no long-term study. And that is also up to them. And yet we now are in a position where people in our country are losing their jobs if they don't get vaccinated. They're losing their jobs in the medical field, in the aged care field, and now in airports. This has never happened in the history of Australia. Like you tell me when, when has this ever happened? And I know that there will be people that will be fully like, no, fully for the vaccine. And you know what? You are allowed to be. But, but if people are not, they are also allowed to be not comfortable with this because people who are comfortable with it, unless you can provide solid, hard data, it's really your your opinion also. So we have a responsibility to protect, to protect particularly our young people until we know more, you know, until we know the medium, long-term and generational effects of these vaccines. And we're just injecting our young people without knowing. They actually have more chance of dying in a car accident than from Corona. I mean, in the US alone, 81% of COVID deaths are in people aged over 65. I've got no issue with protecting the elderly and the vulnerable, which is those with underlying conditions. But you know, everyone I know who's actually had this vaccine, by the way, all of them have told me one of three things. They either did it because they had to for their job or they did it because they want to travel or, and I quote quite a few people that have said this to me, I just want this BS to be over. So I've given in and I'm having it because I want us to go back to normal. But the point is, it doesn't matter where you sit on this issue We should be able to choose not to be coerced and blackmailed. And I'm really wondering what our prime minister is planning to do with those people who choose not to be vaccinated. There there seems to be a push towards segregation here, which is really worrying. And here's another question. Why aren't we exploring other options that have been put forward by countless other medical professionals, some of whom are in the the best in the world? Like I said, Robert Malone, who, mm, hello, he actually created this technology when it comes to the vaccinations, but I'm not just talking about vaccinations. I'm talking about all sorts of stuff. You know, it's our government's job to give us all the options the knowledge, and all the information out there, and then we get to decide for ourselves. But not only is this not happening, but anyone that does have other information that doesn't match the agenda of what they're going for are actually being silenced. So there are other options, and you guys might have heard of this stuff, things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc that have all been talked about over and over and over by reputable, experienced, world-leading medical experts and it's been proven used and shown that it they bring massive reduction to the effects of the virus um, in fact do you know that there um, in india they have been using these some of these other treatments and they have obliterated 97% of the cases in delhi and again go look it up june 1 2021 the desert review i quote A 97% decline in Delhi cases with ivermectin is decisive, period. Um, It represents the last word in an epic struggle to save lives and preserve human rights. It is as significant as David's victory over Goliath, unquote, end of quote. Um, according to multiple sources, the Indian Bar Association has actually taken legal action against the World Health Organization's chief scientist for her alleged involvement in spreading disinformation on the use of ivermectin. So it's just interesting. And I'll say it again, it is the government's job to give us all the options, all the knowledge and all the opinions, not to keep, not to drip feed us little bits that suits them. You know, There's been an MP here in Australia called Craig Kelly, quite controversial. He had to resign from the Liberal Party because of his views, because he was trying to say, hey, there's other information out there. So he's become an independent MP and he's often on, um, he's still, well, he's actually been silenced. He's been taken off of Facebook, but I think he still has a, a Twitter account. But You know, he's been talking about some of this stuff and and other reliable information and sources of what's going on worldwide um, when it comes to this pandemic, so-called pandemic. Um, But instead of weighing that up, the reputable information, instead he's silenced. He's been trying to tell the government about hydroxychloroquine, which is when used early and in conjunction with other things like zinc and vitamin D, has excellent results against covid um, there's also some stuff around the Delta variant. Now we are being made to be petrified of this Delta variant that it's, you know, it's deadly and oh my gosh, it's so contagious, so contagious that it hasn't spread here in Queensland, which is what people keep saying on Facebook, like, oh, so contagious. It's not spreading. Um, But the UK government has already exposed these claims about the Delta strain. Look it up yourself, June 18, in the Public Health England, they published their 16th report, which reported that Delta has a 0.1% fatality rate, which is the same rate as the normal flu and much lower than the case fatality rate of other strains of COVID. So you will find article after article saying the same things. Why aren't our government letting us know this? Why aren't we trying it? If it can help, why can't we try? Why can't we choose? Okay, like some of you do this and some of you do that, and let's see what happens. But they seem to be ignoring this other information and data, and now we've got a plague of panic across our country. And the people being so affected at the moment are our young people. Let's look at data after. Max vaccinations have been rolled out, for example, in the UK. So, you know, okay, we can't have medium or long term uh, studies right now because there hasn't been enough time. So, how about we just look at a country that's done what our country is proposing and let's look at the short term effects of what's happened. So, let's just take the UK. July last year, July 2020, as of the 1st of July in the UK. At that stage, no one had had their first or second vaccine, and they were recording 63 new cases a day. One year later, after six months of rolling out the vaccination process, so they started in about December of last year, you've got almost 70% have had their first dose, and 49% have received their second dose, and guess how many cases they, they are now recording as of July 2021? 27,989. So they've got more cases today, six months after they've started max vaccination. Mass vaccination. Why aren't we being told this stuff? Why do we have to go looking for it ourselves? Now vaccinations might work. I know a lot of the reports coming through are saying that the vaccines don't reduce the risk of spread or catching the virus, but so far from what they can tell it reduces the severity. And that is awesome news. But we don't know the medium and long-term risks, which is going to have the most impact again on our young people. We just simply don't have the data. We also equally do have data to show that other strategies are working, but heck no, these are not being reported on. We have got a senior immunologist in our own country here in Australia called Professor Clancy. Again, look him up for yourself. And he said that the evidence is overwhelming. And I quote from an article that he directly quoted this, the data is crystal clear. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are a significant benefit when used early in the disease. He said that they're highly effective, end of quote. Now he also said, said a bit later on that it shouldn't be used instead of a vaccine, but rather together, and that he bases his comments on science. Why aren't we listening to Professor Clancy? No, instead, we've got to listen to medical, you know, the, the health authorities in our state. And I know in our state, ours has been like a GP for all of six years, and then she's been in, like, politics, the rest of it. Um, there's people in America from really good... Um, reputable places like Yale, where they're saying the same thing. So like I said, again, it, it, it is not about the vaccine. The point of this conversation is we have a basic human right to make our own choice, a choice about where we go, choices about what we do, choice about what we put in our body without being coerced and blackmailed and having our freedoms taken away. If we don't, your body, my body, they're the temple of God. And I get to choose what goes in it, and you get to choose what goes in it. And yes, there are consequences to our choices, but they're still that, our choices. You know, and who's going to make the government responsible for the consequence of their choices? Because look at what's happening to our young people. No one's paying the price for that. What about the consequence to people who have lost everything, who have had to close down their small businesses, but instead... The government are being protected, so the pharmaceutical companies and GPS are literally protected from liability if anything goes wrong with a vaccine. Who is mopping up after the small businesses that are having to close down? So it seems like we're having to take all the risk and all the consequence here. But this isn't how God rolls, and this is how I, I just want to end it with a bit of a chat about the way that God rolls. God made us free will agents, right? He doesn't mandate anything. Like God sets standards, And God sets choices before us and we get to choose. We're free agents and then there are consequences. And that's how life should roll. We shouldn't be mandated to do anything. Jesus never forced us to do anything. He didn't say, you know, you have to believe in me. You have to live this way. The Bible is just and God is putting all these options in front of us and we get to choose. It's called free will. The only thing that he kind of mandates is how to get to heaven, right? But even then, we still have a choice. You know, the entire Bible from beginning to end, from cover to cover, is actually about freedom, in inner freedom from within ourselves. And I've talked about this on my Freedom Podcast and external freedom. You know, you look at the Old Testament when Pharaoh got into power, power corrupts, and he controlled the people. And what did God do? He sent Moses. And, and what did Moses keep saying to Pharaoh? Let my people go. Where are our Moses? Are you going to be a Moses that's going to stand up and say, hey, this is not right. You know, they are drip feeding us with restrictions until we bow little by little. Well, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow for the future of my kids and for every young person in this country. This is not Unreasonable. We're not saying don't protect the elderly and those at risk. Have the vaccine, don't have the vaccine. Wear the mask, don't wear the mask. But they can't just keep on locking us down. You know, think about Daniel. I love the Book of Daniel how when he prayed, he was told not to pray, remember? And what did he do? He defied the orders. He went up to his open went up to his room and in front of an open window an open window where everyone could see in. Let me just quickly read to you because I think we're kind of going a little bit over time. We have, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm sure you don't mind on this one, but let me just quickly read this. Um, so in Daniel 6, the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. And the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree. Sounds like living in our country right now, right? That anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. It sounds like what we're going through right now. Edicts are being enforced that we have to do certain things or else, or we get thrown into lockdown. Now, your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put it in writing. Now, when Daniel learned of the decree, listen to this, that had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done Before, and I love that. And of course, we know what happens the dibber dobbers go and dibber dobber on him. And the king didn't want to put him into the lion's den, but because it had been written down, uh, he had to abide by it. And so that's what happened. So I'm just wondering where are our Moses and where are our Daniels? And what can we do? I've had a lot of people messaging me and going, Renee, I don't know what to do. And you know, one voice on its own can't do an awful lot uh but if we all raise our voice together and start standing up together um you know have a voice on social media you know get on get on to your to the poli- different politicians or you know here in queensland the courier mail on facebook and don't be rude and don't be like don't be one of those nutter people about it, but start saying, no, I, I don't agree with this. No, this is not right. Hit up social media, stand up for your rights, tell them you want your freedoms, you know, bombard the politicians, get behind the good ones, support the good ones. Each of us can do something, but I know for each of us, it will be a different comfort level. And then there are those, I know last week, one of our biggest Christian leaders here in our country, put up a Twitter about how ridiculous it was about not being able to to sing in church, even to, to a camera for online church. And I don't know exactly how, whether it was his voice alone or whether multiple people bombarded their state government. I'm not quite sure what happened, but guess what? They listened and the government reversed it and turned it around. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless, okay? And I just want you guys to remember your voice counts. So don't be silent, take it, go and listen to that John Farnham song, go and be inspired because no longer are we going to sit in silence and we're not going to, we're not going to live in fear. And we have a responsibility to the next generation to come to the young people, because we are writing their history right now. We're writing their futures. And so I, um, I. That's it. I don't know, I don't know what else to say, um, other than I know that many of you feel the same way. And how can we not? Because this is not like I said to do with our opinions. This is to do with our freedoms. And so, guys, we are not helpless. And I just want you to feel encouraged today. And I think if we stand together. Um, that we can begin to drip feed back the other way that we're not going to, you know, they want to drip feed to us. We're going to drip feed back the other way. Anyway, this has been a long one today. It's been 40 minutes. Um, And uh, look, share it, share this podcast. And I hope that it gives some of you some courage, but thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I think you guys are amazing and I love you all and um, come and chat with me on social media, but otherwise I'll be back on Friday. I'll see you then. Bye.